Welcome to the Surveyor Hub podcast with me, Marion Ellis, a chartered surveyor, coach, business mentor, and founder of the Surveyor Hub community. Each week on this podcast, I speak to surveyors and people in the industry about their careers, business journeys, and day-to-day work. Listen to their real-life stories, step into their shoes, and leave feeling connected to the conversation. So today, I'm really pleased to welcome to the podcast, Ray Simmons, Technical Manager at Countrywide Surveying Services. Hello, Ray. Hello, Marion. I'm really pleased to have you on the podcast because we haven't spoken in ages and I feel like this is going to be another one of those really good chats with people that I I like. So I've been really looking forward to this one. Bless you. Uh, So it's really good to uh, to have you here. And just as we were um, sort of getting set up and and making sure mics work and everything, you asked me if I looked a bit windswept because I'm having a bad hair day. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. And what's happened is this morning, I actually had an Indian head massage. A nice one. I know. Is this how I prepare for an interview with you, Ray? Uh, I've never had one before. It sort of hurts in a nice way. Yeah. But I have big hair right now. And uh, (laughs) I'm feeling a little bit giddy. But I booked it in because April is Stress Awareness Month. And I'd seen some of the posts on uh from lionheart so anyone who's listening to this do go and have a look at, at lionheart they've got some great events uh, coming up i think they've got um actually a yoga session tim okay. kenny who's been on the podcast before so i thought yeah you know just a bit of de-stress have that but i feel a bit woo so who knows what's going to come out of my mouth as we talk today i'll try and behave myself oh, for those you. of you who um who don't know you ray do you want to just introduce yourself yeah, I'm Ray Simmons. I'm a technical manager at Countrywide Surveyors, which I'm sure most of your listeners will know. It's a very large firm of um, corporate mortgage valuers. And we do hand buy reports and building surveys as well. And basically, in, in a nutshell, my, my job is I answer queries and um, I sort out problems. And that's sort of like, because of the size of the firm, there's enough of them come in both from the valuers and other departments and from the lenders uh, to keep me um, going for the occupied. So in a nutshell, that's, that's it. it <laughs> I'm laughing because it's, it's reminded me of when we used to, you and I used to go to client meetings when you were... I know, I know. I'm thinking about all these these things we're going to talk about now and do we really want the world <laughs> to know about them? But well, it's, lots it's, of memories, right? Just, I mean, just quickly, listeners, it, the way it used to be at a meeting, the client would say, you know, like you do, you're, you're around, around the table and they'd say, well, you know, can you introduce yourself and say what you do? And I'd sort of like mumble, well, I'm Ray Simmons and I answer a few queries. And then they'd ask Marion and then Marion would come out with the the presentations and the packs and, and all, all of the folders and PowerPoint. And I'm thinking, well, you've really got to up your game here. Yeah, yeah, you know, but the bar was really low. It didn't... <laughs> <laughs> With me, it was. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was... Um, yeah, it's, it, do you know what? Let's just talk a little bit about that because there are a lot of surveyors out there, particularly students, and I know we get a lot of students listening to this podcast, who don't quite understand how it works with lenders and the lender relationship between the panel firms and and the the, the lenders. 
And you see that on complaints, you know, where people complain and actually it's the lender who manages and feels a lot of things before it comes through to the to the surveying firms. But back in the day when we used to work together, I run a complaints team. You dealt with all the technical, important stuff. And yeah, we would go to client meetings. So, you know, panel firms get allocated or bid for work, tender for work uh, with these with the, the lenders, the banks. And you have a monthly relationship meeting with them, you know, and we talk mm-hmm. about the turnaround time, the type of work, the risk, um, you know, the, the ratio, loan to value ratios, all of that kind of thing. And then the queries and the processes and what can be done better. And I don't think people really understand how important that that relationship is and, and what goes goes into it, do they? Well, I agree. And often the lenders don't have their own valuers departments these days. So we are effectively, you know, when you're a panel valuer, you're actually acting as their, um, as, as their valuer. And uh, they come to you in the same way as if they had an in-house valuation department and uh, for the same sort of advice and, and, and assistance. And um, when they... I actually spend a couple of days a week with one of our lender clients with their underwriters, which has been fantastic for me. It's sort of like um, you really get a feel for the problems that they have at their end and and you can use that uh, knowledge and experience of working with them to improve the uh, the service that you provide to them. And we are a service provider. Mm. Uh, and so, you, you know, a customer providing a good customer experience is absolutely key and uh, so that's that's what we um, we do and one of the things that i found really interesting doing that kind of work you know is as you say you know the, the work that you do with underwriters you get an insight to their world but they get an insight into yours as well yeah. and one of the things you know i've talked about in the past is that not every surveyor and certainly not every administrator mortgage broker you know someone who's who's pushing the paper so to speak has bought and sold a house before Oh. And has gone through the mortgage process. Yeah. And so, and when you think about, you know, in reality, the salaries that some people are on, mm. you know, they're never going to get on the property market. No. And I certainly found that when, when I ran complaints teams and they were yes. really capable people who understood, but it's really difficult to know exactly what it's like for a, a homeowner to go through a remortgage, you know, for a purchaser yeah. to go through the, the house buying selling process. And so a lot of the work that we used to do was to educate people. But the thing is with educating people, it's like boiling the ocean and rounding up kittens because you have a turnover of staff, you know, um, people, people move on. You know, when it comes to educating the public, you know, we know they don't know the difference between a, 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 a structural survey home buyers, yeah. evaluation, yeah. you know, now you've got a new sort of generation. So it's always quite a tricky thing to, to keep on board. I certainly, when I answer queries or, or do any any work with either the clients or the valuers, often you could just give a yes, no answer and that would that would solve it. But I always um, spend some extra time t- explaining why I said yes or why I said no in, in the hope, <laughs> if they're not asleep by the time I finished explaining, but in the hope that, you know, they'll get a great understanding as to the thought processes that we go through. And I, I think if you if you work in, you know, we do our job, they do their job. I think the more you work together, if you can get a greater understanding of what the job is of the person that you're working with, then that's going to enhance the uh, uh, the, the relationship. And 
provide a better service for everyone, including the, the people that are actually purchasing the property if it's a purchase. So I think it's easy to forget if we're not careful that at the end of the day, there's poor, poor people that are, are waiting, that are desperately trying to buy this house. It's hugely stressful. If any, anyone that's ever bought a house would knows this. And if you do get like a PPQ or something and it causes a delay and, you know, completion date is getting ever closer, those poor people that want to buy it, they're, they're, they're stress levels that, that would be through the roof. And so, you know, it's important to remember that so that you you just don't you don't treat it just like I'm other PPQ. You, you treat it as there were real people going through real stress at the end of this and mm. we've got to do our best to resolve it. And we talk about it being the most stressful thing you'll ever do, you know, but I think we forget what that means and how that plays out for people. So stress can affect people in lots of different ways. It can make you Mr. Angry or Mr. Very, or Mrs. Very Scary Lady, but it also can make you burst into tears quite a lot. It can, make, it can affect the decisions that you make that, that may then sort of impact on, on, on other things. You can come across as irrational or, or actually sort of quite inactive, you know, in that you're stuck in this analysis paralysis, what do I do? It's really stressful and don't know where to go for help. And so we've just been really mindful um, of that. But, and, you know, we're talking stress awareness month, you know, that affects us all at the end of the day. So I'm really pleased to see the, as I mentioned before, the stuff that's come out of, um, of Lionheart. You mentioned PVQs. Can you explain what they are? Well, there's the acronym for post-valuation queries. Uh, <laughs> you would have seen one or two of them in your time. Oh, I have. And... Um, <laughs> It's when the, the, the valuer goes out, he, he does the inspection, he provides the report, and then there's a query on it. And it's really the, the posh name for a query following receipts of, uh, of the report. It, you know, it, it could be, it's called for a report, and they'll ask him, they'll come, the PVQ would be, well, what type of report do you want? Or can you give us further details? Or they've received the report and they send it through to the surveyor, you know, uh, to say, is this report satisfactory now? Can can we now um, proceed or is it a decline? Or uh, lenders do retentions, not all of them do these days, um, a retention. Or it may be a solicitor's um, picked up something on the searches and the solicitor will come in. It might be, I mean, ground rent is a bit of a hot topic, isn't it? So if the ground rent is looks onerous to the uh, solicitor, they may well send the details of the ground rent, because the valuers don't always know what the mm. ground rent is when they do the inspection. So they make red book assumptions on it. And um, so they'll send the, the solicitor will send a letter through saying, well, these are the um, details of the ground rent and service charges. Uh, do they impact on your valuation? And you, you can answer that. And so, the, you know, the turnaround times are, 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 are pretty good. And in, indeed, the, the, the way the contracts are being um, worded these days, they're actually quite tight. Mm. turnaround times which is a challenge sometimes at our end but again getting back to the people that are buying the the, the, the property it's it's no bad thing for them because they've got less of a period of, yeah. of stress waiting and, for the answer yeah and they're a really complex thing not that they're all difficult to answer but you've got a process of you know a value has gone and done a job submitted their report but then it goes through the bank and then it goes through the conveyancer and then something might come up on the searches or, or whatever and there's all of these different parties who are querying what has the valuer done and therefore it, it comes back and 
I don't think people appreciate how many thousands of queries, post-valuation queries there are. But when yeah. you, and that's not a reflection on surveyors being bad at their job. A lot of it is a process, you know, it's, um, you know, trying to let something sail through a computer system, you know, uh, and then it's, it's it, I guess it's the downsides of, uh, downside of standardizing reports in a way, uh, but there are thousands of them, but that's because, Mortgage valuers and surveyors do thousands and thousands of these jobs, uh, you know, a, a week, a month, a year. Yeah. And therefore, it's that 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 consequence. But there's a lot of work I know that's been done to really simplify uh, that. Then, and it does make it does make it easier for the valuer, does make it easier for the for the customer and for the bank and and the conveyancer to to understand. But it can be quite um quite a, a, an industry, you know, in terms of what what comes back. Uh, absolutely, and, and and indeed, you know, when you were with us and and, and the people that have followed on after you, that one of the, the the big achievements is to work with the lenders and to and and and, and to uh, to teach them, as it were, the, the um, a lot about the process and what the PPQs are and what can come to us and and what not, and it saves time and it resolves things um, uh, quicker. And it also you, you don't really get a handle on just how many transactions take place so yes mm-hmm. there are thousands of ppqs but by and large the, the majority do go through smoothly they I mean, do the, yeah it's it's a small percentage yeah. in the scheme of things yeah that, mm. that, that's right so the majority go through and happy days for everyone because no failure i don't believe any surveyor or, or failure goes out to cause a problem but no no they no they don't and, and but i think for me it's part of this and particularly for students and new people into the, into the industry, is just to understand the scale. Yeah, you know, for just a couple of percent of PVQs, that means thousands of jobs of, of inspections have happened. Yeah, and, you start to, and I think sometimes we can work in silo in our heads of you know yeah. that the appointments and properties that you've got to visit in a day or a week. Yeah, you know, but you're one small cog. Yeah. Um, whether you work for a, a large company or not, but the housing market is huge. And sometimes I think we really forget that perspective. I'm really interested in your in your career and how you've got to this kind of position because there's a lot of surveyors that I come across who would like to diversify their work or they find themselves in different roles. But so it'd be interesting to share your, your journey because I know you live in Stroud. Mm. But you didn't. You're not from Stroud, are you? No, I'm a London boy, and um, born and bred uh, in, in in London. I lived there till my, my mid thirties. Uh, qualified as a surveyor there. It's always quite interesting, really, because the OICS building, you know, in Great George Street. I would I walked past that building many many times before I even knew what it was, and I always thought that's an impressive building. So you could have knocked me over when I started studying to be a surveyor. And then I realised that that building that I'd always sort of had a soft spot for was the actual dead quarters of, um, of the, uh, the OSCS. But no, I, I did it the old way. I, I left school at 16 with O-levels. I come from a background where you were expected to go into construction, normally as a carpenter or a plumber or something like that. But I didn't, that didn't really appeal to me. But I, I went into construction as a management trainee for both of us, actually, and did ONC, and then I went on to HNC. Had to do a few extra O-levels along the way. Uh, this is In those days, firms would do day release as well. So 
you'd work for four days and the fifth day you would um, go to college, technical college, and do a couple of evenings a week as well. So it's ONC, HNC, and that gave me the entry qualification to the ORCS. Back in the day when ORCS set their own exams and you did um, a course at a polytechnic and uh, then you'd, you'd sit the um, examinations. As for the work, after I'd stayed with both. I used to work for companies for about two years and then I'd move on. And just for the experience, not necessarily because I didn't like them or they didn't like me and not necessarily for increases in pay. I just wanted a broad range of experience. And I must have known something back then because all of that really comes in handy in the work I do now because all sorts of stuff comes in. So I worked for a building contractor. Then I worked for um, in the public sector. I worked at the Greater London Council. I worked in the architects and surveyors department of the Metropolitan Police. That was a really interesting uh, job and the reason you went into the public sector in those days was because they were able to give you more responsibility at a younger age than private practice uh, could so in my early 20s i was responsible for the maintenance of the the central london police properties so be like bow street court and places like that and you get right behind the scenes there which is really interesting and uh, then I uh, moved up to Milton Keynes when it was a new, um, just starting out as a new town, worked for their, um, uh, the Borough Council there. Then I came back to London, uh, went into private practice then, left the public sector to go into private practice, worked for, I mean, you'd like this, Marion, a, a couple of uh, SMEs. So I've, I've got the experience of working for two or three. Um, and I qualified actually as a, a chartered building surveyor. Uh, and then then I went to the dark side of residential mortgage valuation. <laughs> but uh, I actually started as so as a, as a chartered building surveyor. And I used to do the broad range of um, building surveying work. One of the companies I worked for was a managing agent uh, uh, who um, they managed properties uh, in prime London. So Kensington, Chelsea, Belgravia, that, that sort of area. As a building surveyor, I, I do things like schedules of dilapidations, party rule awards. So I enjoyed the podcast you did the other week with the uh, the QC on. Uh, oh yeah, with Nick Isaac. Yeah. Yeah, that was a good one, and I actually was pleasantly pleased with myself at how much I could remember of, of what he was talking about. Do you know I feel like that when I am um, when I'm in the Surveyor Hub, someone posts something and I'm like, yes, I got it right, still got it, still got it. <laughs> it's a nice feeling, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And then. Um, well, frankly, my mum my, my got very ill and uh, working in private practice uh, as an, in an SMA, as you would know more than most, it, it's very high pressure and it's, you work all the hours and I needed something that would give me a bit more um, bit more time to sort um, uh, to give my mum the care that she needed. And so um, I joined Abbey National, as was, Santander there as is, as a staff surveyor. I worked for a year or so covering uh, Wood Green, Tottenham, that sort of area in, in, in central London. And then, um, I, by then, I'd, I'd got married and we decided to move to um, Gloucestershire. So I, I moved to Gloucestershire as a staff surveyor with Nationwide. I got, uh, um, and I've been in Gloucestershire ever since. And uh, so, you know, when I get the queries coming, I can get a query from a surveyor that works in a town and... I've got that experience of working in a city and I can get a query coming from 
you know, it's a Bayou or Orlando or whoever. That's in the country, a rural location. Mm. I've got that experience as well. My building surveying background comes in handy because last week I had one on rights of light, which if you work in London, you you know about the right of light uh, legislation. So I could pull on my the, the experience that I had when I was a building surveyor to answer that 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 query. A lot of leasehold stuff I can pull on my experience of when I worked as a in in a managing agent uh, to to answer that. And so that range of experience really stands me in good stead now. Yeah, and I and I remember when um when I first joined and, and met you, and I have lots of memories from when I <laughs> when I first met you. But what I learned was you don't have to be the absolute technical expert on everything. Not that you're not the oracle, right? <laughs> but it's about using your experience and awareness and knowing where to go, knowing who to ask. The thought processes and uh, the thought processes, knowing where to go, knowing to, who to ask, mm. and, and and being decisive. You know, if um, it had been the same with you in, in your job, by the time it, it reached you or it reached me, people didn't want a woolly answer. They wanted, what do I do? I, yeah. you, know, you had to tell them. And then you had to sort of like publish and be damned. You either got it right or you got it wrong. And, and that's... um. That takes a lot of confidence. It's, yeah. it's experience, but confidence to sort of stand by your decision that yeah. someone else is going to rely upon. And sometimes we make wrong decisions, just like surveyors going out to inspect properties, they make wrong decisions. But if you can show your your thought process, yeah. your reasoning behind it, then it's just a conclusion that you've, you, you've come to and you you learn from it, don't you? Yeah, and it always used to strike me, you know, not that I'd ever respond to it, but when I was on the tools, you know, but you, you're walking around in those days, it was with a clipboard and um, the people, and as they would, the vendor was seeing you out, they'd go, oh, you've got a nice old job, haven't you? Walk around making a few notes on the clipboard. And I'm thinking, well, you don't really understand because we're thinking all the time. We're looking at the ceiling. Is anything wrong with the ceiling? Looking at the walls, looking at the floor. You're using your senses. Can I smell anything? Is the floor uneven? You know, can I, you see the skirting board? You see, can I, is there any dry water or anything? You know, that the sort of the rippling in the skirting board that gives away whether it's got water or not. When you're walking around outside, you know, you, you're constantly looking at everything, thinking what condition is it in? Oh, it's in ropey condition, but is it a problem or not? You see a crack, you've got to think, is it long-standing or do I make an issue of it and call for a report? And, and you constantly cut thousands and thousands of decisions, every single property that you go to, even for a mortgage valuation. And that's, uh, that's a really interesting point because we think, oh, I think there's a misconception that uh, being a surveyor is a physical job. And there's some elements or some truth to that. So, for example, lifting loft hatches, yeah. So when I sort of uh, left, I thought uh, left countrywide. I thought about, well, you know, do I work for myself or not? And I thought, mm, you know, maybe I'll go back to the tools. I really enjoyed it, but I have a problem with my neck and shoulders after a couple of um, not my fault car accidents. Mm-hmm. And it is quite a physical thing to lift a loft hat, loft hatch. Yeah. And there's a, a, a knack to it. Yeah. But it's actually more of an active job than a physical job. And you're right, you talk about senses and your mind is ticking over and you've got to be alert and ready 
you can't just sort of slope into a property, wander around. You've got to be really taking it all in. Yeah. And that takes a lot of energy it does. to do that. I put on a stone after I got promoted. When I got promoted from being um, a, a job in value to, uh, to a desk-based job, I put on a stone. That's, uh... <laughs> that, 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 that's funny because um, I did, uh, but that was because my favourite uh, sandwich shop when I worked in Croydon was called Piggies. And <laughs> I was there a lot. <laughs> <laughs> no, no pet lunches for me but that's interesting because when I came off the tools and then went to work in um in an office um I remember feeling absolutely exhausted because I hadn't seen daylight all day mm-hmm. um I actually remember <clears throat> when I started out and I started working uh, in, in the Croydon office as a trainee and I was exhausted because I was out all day and I got really sunburned actually so I always wear factor 50 guys and gals but uh, yeah, and, and and I remember feeling really absolutely exhausted, but it really hit me when I was was in the office quite a lot, yeah. you yeah. know, but yeah, really it's quite an active job. One of the things I noticed working at a national level is, well, I guess there's some, there's some challenges with that, you know, so my patch was South London, I'm from North Wales, you know, so I know those those areas i live in what i now call middle earth not far from milton keynes but you know my work was across the country and a bit like yours uh, on a on a national level how do you i guess sort of de-risk that because as surveyors you know we 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 have to be very familiar with the areas that we that we work with but i found that you know when i dealt with complaints of claim, claims and queries across the whole country that you 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 got start to understand that everywhere is different. Yeah, this is true. <laughs> you know? It's well, I've been lucky. I mean, in, in my past, I have actually worked. I've worked um, in one way or another. I've worked in a lot of places. And well, in, actually, you're right because I remember quite a few times you saying, "Oh, I know that street." Yeah. Really, really, right? You know that street, and it turns out, yes, you do. <laughs> well, it's hilarious, and I still feel I still cringe with that I did it, but. We had, um, it was a tender presentation for high value work for one of our major clients. And uh, one of the jobs I do is I, I, I mandate um, authorised high value work. And of course, most of the high value work is London. And uh, when I lived in London, I never used to use London transport. It's such a fascinating place. I used to walk everywhere. So I've got a really good knowledge of, of London. And in, in the halfway through the presentation as to the process that I used when I authorise a high value job and you know you could be talking 15 million 20 million and mm. uh, a lot of money even, you know even, and it's sort of enough to make the lender think twice about it and I, I actually said I've walked those streets and after I said it I thought god did you really say that but uh, <laughs> it must have worked we got the we got the uh, we got the contract so that that was good you don't really know a place though and, and until um I spent a lot of time a couple of years ago um in Sheffield and um you know, you think you know Sheffield because of all the physics you've had there, but it's not until you spend sort of like days there that you really get to a feel of the place and, and the different um, areas. But you talk to people, like you mentioned earlier, you talk to people so you can talk to the local valuers and um, get a feel from them. And it's true. I mean, local knowledge is really important. And um, sometimes when the underwriters say, what will tend to happen is the broker will uh, will ask um, underwriters, is this, you know, they always, the brokers actually, to be fair to them, always say subject to value as inspection. But they'll say, 
do you know if up front it's a complete no-no because then we won't waste everyone's time and that's fair enough. And they'll come to me and say, well, what do you think, Ray? And, you know, I'll give them a decision or I'll say, can't really, I can, these are my comments, but this is one where it really does come down to local knowledge. You've got to know the area as to whether this will, um, uh, will be okay or not. And, um, and so that's what, that's what you have to yeah, do. Yeah, and you've got, and you've got to stand by that, that you haven't got enough. And yeah. that can be really hard sometimes when someone's really pushing you for a, for a decision. Yeah. And yeah. many surveyors, you know, out there in different circumstances will, you know, will have that. But you've really got to trust your gut instinct as to what yeah. you, what, what you're prepared to, to stand by and why. And, and when that's challenged, and I see too many surveyors who just do not trust their gut instinct. And that's mm. a lot of the work that I do with when I coach surveyors now. Mm. You know, they they come to me for other things, but really it's about trusting their their gut instincts yeah. about what's right, what's wrong, the kind of career for them, you know, all, all of those things. Well, you've got to listen to that inner voice. And often, um, I've learned over the years, if it feels wrong, it usually is wrong. So that's, um, mm. that's an, an important one um, uh, to do. Uh, I mean, you, you've touched on it in, in other podcasts, but one of the things these days, of course, is we, we, we've got a fantastic um, older corporates, really, not just countrywide, but uh, the older corporates, but uh, fantastic um, older corporates, really, not just countrywide, but uh, the older corporates, but uh, fantastic trainee um, programs these days. We're mm-hmm. getting people through the ASOC which, uh, qualification, which is, which is fantastic. But they're only getting experience in um, uh, the mortgage valuations and the home buyer reports. So um, the getting doing diversification of work and getting more experience under under your belt, I think, is the the next thing that'll be um, mm. on the agenda. Uh, I remember um, I did a, an interview a number of years ago with um, Kath Fontana, who's the current RICS president, and we were talking about careers you know and she said you know it's a career it's called a career ladder for a reason you know you have to set the intention of where you want to be yeah and I remember being stunned into silence because it was like oh okay (laughs) what do I do then and um but but she's right and and so being intentional intentional in your career yes you want to progress and earn more money and and all the things that success whatever success looks like for you uh, means but i think there's also something there about planning planning to get the right kind of experience that you want i come across a lot of valuers who would love to do conservation you know yeah. and they might not get the opportunity to do that kind of work or might not feel confident enough but you know you can still do it as a hobby yeah you know yes. cpd doesn't have to just be for your work purposes you can really really enjoy it but to plan you know the next thing or the kind of things that you want in your next sort of five or ten years is really important because those can really just you have to think outside the box and again one of your other podcasts i can't remember the chat's name well, but you've you been it. listening to them all haven't you oh yeah it, it was the one um, i think it is the one that used to be a director of uh, connell's and but not on the surveying side on the estate agency side and uh, he did an mba i might I, my apologies to him if it isn't that that chat but um one of your podcasts, though, people, they, they, you know, they qualified surveyor. In fact, had other qualifications as well, but also did an MBA. So there's nothing to stop you, mm. you know, just because your day job, as it were, may not cover everything. You can still, like you say, do, do things as a hobby. Mm. 
<laughs> One of the things um, I wanted to ask you about was the, some, I, I guess, just the assessing the risk of work. So a lot of the work that you and I have done uh, over the years is assessing, you know, say a portfolio job comes in and assessing, is this something that we should do or could do? Mm. And I remember back in the day, you had one, it might have been for the canal waterways. (laughs) And the only way you could get there on some of these by canal boats. By boat. (laughs) You don't forget stuff. Sat in the boardroom with the great and the good, discussing the feasibility of a surveyor with his ladders and stuff in a boat to get to the lock keeper's house. (laughs) But but somebody needed that valued. It did. And um, we went for it. We 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 would have been very happy to do that to do the valuations on those those properties. But you know, as is the way, we were in competition with other companies, and one of the other companies got the uh, the contract. But we were, we were, we would have been very happy to um, uh, to to do it, and we would have done it co- um, competently because we are, you know, well, like all corporates, it's not just countrywide, but. We're very, very keen on uh, the RCS, uh, the Red Book bit about competence. Don't take on a job unless you're competent to do it. And so, you know, you have to weigh that into it. So when you do get, you know, we, we get uh, some queries coming, can you do this type of work? You know, we'll weigh up, well, is it work we, we are competent to do? And if we're not, then, then we, we will turn that work away. It's one of the key um, decisions uh, that you make. And it doesn't matter whether you're a, a, a corporate large firm or a, or a small no. SME working for yourself, you know, Absolutely. it's just because you can get paid for it. And and effectively, an ideal client is someone who will pay you, yes. <laughs> you know, but, you know, taking into fact, you know, absolutely the, the all the red book guidance, the competency, mm. you know, it's also then looking at, well, is this the right cl- kind of client for you? You know, the the practicalities of going on a canal boat you know some people will be happy with that and some people wouldn't and that's that then the other thing that I always remember you by and I've I've quoted this a number of times over my career is that you know it is the sausages you know we do uh straight sausages not curly sausages and that always stuck that always stuck with me and I see that a lot is that you know, there's a time and a place. And I think large panel firms get really a bad press sometimes over the kind of work that they do and the way they do their work. But, you know, if you're trying to make a, a perfect sausage, it needs to be straight. <laughs> and therefore you need but- systems and processes that allow you to do that. And that's how you can churn out perfect sausages that meet no, you, you're right. It's actually uh, I just plagiarised it. There was a much it was a much wiser mind than me that uh, that came up with that uh, that saying. But it's a really really good saying, and it sums it up. And um, and it, it's you know it's sort of like back in the day when you had your general practice uh, companies, they would do a bit of everything. But we've we've sort of specialised on on the, on some core products, and um, uh, we, we we go with them for now. But that's not to say we want look at uh, other mm. new stuff we're very you know it's, I keep talking about us I mean countrywide but it's the other corporates as well as well we're, they're all looking to um, uh, to diversify where necessary and to do a good job at whatever they do but then that's as you just said it's across the board uh, with the SMEs and uh, it's been interesting listening to your podcast because the um, 
the large corporates have the luxury of of department scrapey thing, whereas the SMEs and the, your complaints um, forum was really good the other day. The difference between uh, a complaints department, the customer care department of a large corporate, compared to a customer care department in an SME, which was, probably won't exist, quite frankly. No. Yeah. It's like um, what's that chap? Michael, someone I forgot his name, uh, but um, it was sort of like it's them. There's mm-hmm. there's the partner and the surveyor that did the job, and it, they have to lose days sorting it out. Whereas we, we, the larger firms have, have departments that can can pick that up and mm-hmm. have the experience of doing it. You know, for you, it's day in, day out. I'm over there at the office, you know, with, with the um, the stuff that came in that you had to sort. With the smaller firms, you don't get many complaints. And um, it's a no, big I think they're really, they're really, really different beasts. And I think it's not, I think it's wrong to compare them. Mm-hmm. You know, you have right. to be the right kind of person who wants to work with a, uh, for a corporate versus somebody who really feels the pull, independence pull to yeah. be control of their own destiny and and, yeah. and those things, and and so you're never comparing like with like. Although the kind of work that they that the two spheres might do might be might be similar. Right. And you're right. You know, when you work for yourself, you do have to be in the business of surveying, and that means that's all things running business. And one of the things I find with surveyors is they. They constantly worry about, you know, how am I go to, going to do this rather than who can help me with this. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, a, a good chunk of them do not have any VA admin support, which would transform lots of things, take the stress yeah. away, you know, and yeah. it's seen as a as a cost rather than an investment. And the, you know, the charge for a VA is certainly much cheaper than the hourly rate for a for a surveyor there's a, a mindset that needs to uh, needs to happen but they are they are very different beasts i think and i unless you've worked for both mm-hmm. and i think importantly unless you've seen the central functions yeah. of a large panel firm i don't think you can really fully appreciate no, I, what it's like i mean i recall yeah. you know and, and you will as well um you know at the peak when there were lots and lots of surveyors in the firms you know trying to get what, 800 odd surveyors to do the same thing and report in the same way, you know? I mean, no, you're absolutely right. Really, think, really yeah. hard. And you give them a good uh, trip down memory lane because, you know, the firms I've worked for a firm with just five surveyors, you know, five surveyors and three administrators. And that, that was the size of the company. And, um, you know, you, you could get all of, the, all of the staff in one room and you sort of like, so things out there and then sort of thing, or just uh, have a working lunch and, 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 and sort things out. They're completely uh, different. You're right. It's not, um, it's not like for like at all. Mm. Uh, and then, yeah. And then things have changed, you know, compared to back in the day in the boardroom, uh, <laughs> back in, was it Stony Stratford, Stony all very feeling important and official. And now most people work from home and you yeah. and I, and I've sat in our, our living rooms you know, with the, with the computer and uh, and how things have changed. That's right, and it, it'll be interesting going forward now because in the post pandemic, you know, there's there's already talk about uh, the impact on the office industry. You know, how many people will go back to offices, or will they mix and match, spend some time at home? Meetings, for example, Zoom meetings a year ago. How many people had been on a Zoom meeting a year ago? And that, no, 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 look, it's become uh, the, the norm. So. 
there will always be a place, I think, for face face to face contact. But over the past year, I've certainly become a lot more comfortable with um, Zoom meetings. This, you know, the meeting we're having now is, mm-hmm. you know, it's, uh, we're both a lot more comfortable doing it now than uh, than a year ago. I would say. Well, mm-hmm. certainly I am. I don't know about you. Well, you know, it's a big, you know, a big thing to learn. You know, actually, how to use the technology. You know, how to feel confident enough to, to talk uh, in some of these meetings. You know, it's not an easy thing for people to. We're very sort of blasé about it. Oh, let's just do a Zoom. Well, actually, yeah. it puts the fear of God in some people. You know, actually being visible on a camera and everything's recorded. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's um, we've, we've come come on leaps and bounds, but it's not been an easy thing. And then you know, and then you've got the layer of COVID jam on top of everything. How how has the last year been for you? It's been interesting. I was furloughed for five months, and um. I think the yeah again. I'm aware of your podcast. One of your earlier ones was. I uh, love the fact that you listen to them all, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not listening to all of them, by any means. But uh, I certainly maybe I've just been lucky with the ones I picked. But it's a lady, uh, that that been on furlough and, and went back, and um, she didn't like being on furlough. She felt it like it was uh, being in limbo, and I felt exactly the same. And um, when you come back, your you, your confidence is. Um, it's not it is lower than it was uh it, i have to say it took me a good two months to really get back into into the swing of things after after um uh, five months off and um again i mean there's a sort of like and i think the majority of people that just i get felt the same you know they they didn't feel like they were on holiday on furlough they felt they were in some sort of limbo and it's why a lot of people never got anything done because you know normally Oh, it's you know, all mindsets, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Total mindset. If only, when I retired, I'll, I'll write a book, I'll learn a musical instrument, I'll swim the Atlantic, and in the second week, I'll do something else. And it never happened. And I think for the majority of people, and, and um, it, it, it was strange times. And uh, I think we're coming out of it now. I think everyone will come out of it um, a different, but, but stronger in, in, in many well, it's ways. Well, it's been a massive lesson in resilience. Mm. You yeah, know. and uh, and I, I don't know about everyone else, but I certainly came back uh, stronger. I I I, um, I went. I was a bit like a hurricane when I first came back at, at work. You know, I sort of like getting involved in everything. I, it's like he had a new energy, and I, I don't think I was alone in in that. I think every, a lot of people. Well, it's think, exciting. Yeah, yeah, and, and of course the other thing is. He could have foreseen it though, but the housing market has been really buoyant. You know, so no one could have seen that coming. And so everyone's been really busy as well. There's lots going on and it's, it's just been great. And um, I think it will it'll stay. But, you know, nothing stays the same. You know, you, you uh, back in my 20s, it suddenly occurred to me that you've got to embrace change because there will always be change. And Nothing has ever changed. It's a long time ago since I was in my 20s. But these days, you know, you don't know what's going to come around the corner next with pandemic last year, extreme example. But even without the pandemic, there's always new stuff going on. Your roles always change. The way you do things always change, even if the core job is the same. I mean, the core job with value is, is as surveyors. You're still going out there looking at the houses for defects and doing your reports and analysing the valuations. So that would always stay the same, but the way you do it uh, will change, um, has changed and will continue to change. Clipboards have been replaced by tablets. 
the growth of IT and um, and so on and so forth. Yeah, and and ultimately, we're all just looking for stability, stability mm. and security in in the work that we that we do. And can I, on that point, can I just ask you about um, AVMs? Because that's something that you hear a lot of surveyors talking about that AVMs are going to replace the surveyor or the valuer, and I don't, I don't think that's necessarily true. It'd be interesting to see with more, or if more AVMs have been done over the last year as valuers couldn't go out. You know what lenders' attitudes are, but what are your thoughts on AVMs? Well, <laughs> oh, twenty years ago. I, I sent a letter to the RCS Journal, uh, a predecessor to Modus, we have now, but it was Adam name. And in that letter, it got published. I said, you know, we ought to, as mortgage valuers, we ought to start thinking about what we're going to do when mortgage valuation inspections are over because there's a growth of, um, it was pre-AVMs, but certainly desktops and drive-bys were beginning to become a greater part of the, um, of the work we did. And that was 20 years ago. And yet we've still got an awful lot of uh, physical inspections going on. And I'm sure the day will come where they will be lower than they are now. But it seems to be a long time coming. Mm. So, yes, I think there will be greater use of APMs and, and uh, desktops and drive-bys. But no, I don't think it's uh, going to completely take the place. I guess it's... Uh... I guess it's, again, it's that attitude to risk. A physical inspection will always give you more certainty yeah. at, at, the end of the, at the end of the day. Yeah. And so it's that attitude that lenders have to, uh, to risk an appetite to lend on, uh, on properties without seeing it. And I guess the only thing, unfortunately, that will really you know, be the, the proofing the pudding will be a recession where surveyors get sued you know, <laughs> and, bank, and, and banks lose money. Yeah, you know, because I not that I'm a, I mean, it may have happened, but not that I'm a, a aware of. You know, the right move surveyors comparable comparable to SET that's not been tested in any kind of you know landmark court case yet. No, you know, and it's it's just a, a tool. You know, AVMs they're 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 a tool uh, at the at the end of the day, and so mm-hmm. none of that's really been tested to a point where the client or lenders lost money, and therefore. All we can do as surveyors is keep on keeping and um, watching out for the um, the due diligence that we uh, th- that we need to do and uh, and be proactive proactive on that. It's the test of um, uh, what's the reasonable what's the competence of a, a reasonable surveyor, isn't it? The, the courts will go by that. And you're right about the due diligence. If you do all of the um, all the processes that you you ought to have done, then then you won't be found negligent and. Um, we're very keen, as you know, for all the corporates, and I'm sure the SMEs as well mm-hmm. are very keen. They'll all, they'll all have, they will all have their processes in place, their pro formers. You know, it, it may not be a, a tight pro forma anymore. It, these days it will be on a tablet, but the pro forma is still there. And if you go through those boxes and you make sure that, you know, you inspect everything that needs to be inspected and you accurately recalled. And again, getting back to one of your podcasts about the photos, you know, sort of like, you, you um, with negligence claims, it's not only photos of um, of what you saw, but also take photos of what you can't see, and then yeah. you can uh, so you can say, well, at the time of inspection, it was I impossible. Think, I think with all these podcasts, Ray, you must be my number one fan. <laughs> <laughs> they are very good. To be fair, I was uh, 
I, I, they, they are cringe, really. You were cringe listening, knowing that we were going to talk. Um, <laughs> Uh, so well, look, it's been really good to to talk to you today you. And, and to catch up. I'll leave you back to um, doing whatever you do in Stroud. Stroud, that was voted, wasn't it, the best place to live in the Sunday Times? Sunday Times, best place to live. How it's, does that uh, affect house prices, Ray? <laughs> oh, no doubt they'll go uh, go through the roof. But the um, it made us laugh the people that live there because it is a fantastic place to live. There's a great arts uh, scene, great music scene, all, all that sort of stuff. And the Sunday Times said, we were impressed by its independent spirit. <laughs> it's, um, um, people might not fully understand what they mean by that, because the, the catchphrase in Shroud is not unusual for Shroud, because you just see stuff that, you know, you wouldn't see anywhere. Where was it? Literally a lunchtime once, a Wednesday lunchtime, I went into town for some shopping, and there was a guy in full red, uh, full, um, a Red Indian chieftain's outfit, complete with the feathers, the uh, the uh, down to the moccasins, and just walking down the street, and no one turned a hair because it's Stroud. That sort of stuff happens. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so it sounds like it's the best place for you, darling. <laughs> yeah, All right, it's been lovely to catch up. Thank and, you. And um, thanks very much for your time today. Take care. Bye then. So, thanks for listening to today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I really do love hearing your feedback, so please feel free to drop me a message. You can email me at marion.ellis at blueboxpartners.com or you can find me on social media at Marion Surveyor.